Welcome to Torah Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Danielle Bloom, and today we will be studying Parsha's bow. I would like to begin with an overview of the Parsha, and then explore some reasons for the Makos and how we are to understand them. This Parsha contains within it the last three of the ten Makos, Arba, Locusts, Choshech, Darkness, and Makas Bechoros, the Plague of the Firstborn. Additionally, we are introduced to the commandment of HaChodesh HaZalachem Rosh Chodoshim, the obligation to establish our calendar around the lunar cycle, and the commandments of Pesach, both in Mitzrayim for that generation, and Lidoros, how it will be celebrated in the future. Finally, the Torah records that the Israelites leave Egypt. Vayihi ba'etzem hayom hazeh, hotzi Hashem esbenei Yisrael me'eretz Mitzrayim al tzibosam. The Sedra concludes with the command to sanctify our firstborn, the command to remember our exodus from Egypt. You will tell your children forever about this day. And the command for tefillin. The Kliakar famously proclaims the plethora of information in the Jewish tradition written about the Makos. What an incredible variety of interpretations for the Makos. In his words, Rabu Bahem Hadeos. There are so many opinions about why there were so many makos that came on the Egyptians. For what purpose? And all the parshanim have gone to gather reasons. Each one according to the way that he understands it. He tells us he will also not hold back from searching out pshutei hamikraos, what he believes is the pshat, the plain meaning of the text in this case. I think the question that the sources are really struggling with is, if the goal of the plagues was to remove the people from Egypt, why did we need so many of them? God could have sent, in the words of the Midrash, Barak Echad, one lightning bolt, and destroyed the country. What's the purpose of ten makos? The first two verses, the first two psukim, which introduced the plagues, refer to two aspects of their purpose. In Perak Zion, we can look at Psukim Dalad and Hey, Chapter 7, verses 4 and 5. God tells Moshe, V'lo yishma aleichem paro, v'nasati asyadi b'mitrayim, paro will not listen to you, and I will have to place my hand in Egypt. V'hotesi estivosai asami b'nei Yisrael me'eretz mitrayim, b'shvatim gedolim, I will have to remove Israel from Egypt with the use of great judgment. And Egypt will know that I am God. Sometimes the plague involved was there to instill a knowledge of God's divine retribution. That's Shvatim Gedolim. But at other times, it's about education. Let's begin with the first goal outlined in the Pasuk, Shvatim Gedolim. This is about making the Egyptians suffer for what they have done. Punishment, even the word maka, which means to strike, seems to be conveying this idea. The notion of mida keneged mida, punishment, of measure for measure, is well developed in the Midrashim and Rishonim. An example of this would be maka dam. You, the Egyptians, threw the Israelite babies into the water. As a result, you will see your own actions come back to haunt you. You poured our blood into the Nile. Now you will see the Nile turn to blood. The image that comes to mind for me is the description of the waters of the Danube turning red with Jewish blood. 
In the words of the Midrash, Why did God punish them with the plague of blood? Because they threw the Jewish babies into the sea. As Paro decreed, every baby boy that was born was to be thrown into the Nile River. Therefore, God began his punishments by judging the Nile River. Or, in the words of the Kliakar, says, first of all, Paro proclaimed that he was the creator. He made the Nile. So God says, I will punish the Nile. And also, And also, because the Egyptians had thrown our babies into the sea. The second approach outlined in the text, both here in Shemos and later in Bamidbar, is that the purpose of the plagues was to show Egypt and the world that the religious worldview of Egypt was erroneous. There is no pantheon of gods that rule. Only God himself controls all. Parak Yudbez, Pasuk Yudbez, chapter 12, verse 12, the Pasuk states, Ba'avarti ba'aretz mitzrayim ba'layla hazeh, v'hikesi kol bechor, ba'aretz mitzrayim me'adam ve'ad behema. God says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on this night, and I will strike every firstborn in the land of Egypt from human to animal. Uvechol Elohei mitzrayim e'esashvatim ani Hashem. And I will also judge the gods of Egypt, because I am God. Abarbanel, the great Spanish-Jewish commentator, thus explains the purpose of the Ten Plagues. Para was arguing with Moshe about three basic principles of Jewish faith. Number one, God exists. Mitziut The second is that God watches over us. That is called Hashgachar Hashem. And the third major principle is that God can change nature according to His will. And for this, according to the Abarbanel, the plagues came. The first three to prove that God exists, the second three to prove God's providence, and the last three to substantiate the principle that God can change nature at will. The belief in a creator, that he is the Lord of history, and he is the Lord of nature. In the words of the Midrash and Shemot Rabbah, Lama laku hamayim t'chila badam? Why was the Nile River struck first with blood? Because Paro and the Egyptians worshipped the Nile. God said, First I will strike their gods, and then I will strike the nation. A third approach that I heard from Dr. Yael Ziegler is just astounding. She calls the Makos an uncreation story or an inversion of creation. Look at the words that are used, and you will hear echoes of Briyas Olam, chapters 1 and 2 in Genesis. Water, bugs, animals, people, plants, trees. Many of the words that appear in creation and in Makos and the Makos are identical. We have Dagim, we have Eretz, we have Sharats, Adama, Afar, Adam, Behima, Tanin, Nachash. Other similarities include the, the words of Paru and Yishritsu, right? God's first command to man is to reproduce. When Moshe is born in Shmos, we are told Kitov, echoes of creation. And as we exit Egypt, the waters split. Egypt is a powerful society. Each plague unravels them from a different direction. 
Ultimately, in this week's Parsha, we turn out the lights and leave Egypt in primordial darkness. The final three plagues are all dark. Locusts cover the light. Darkness is dark. And Makas Pachoros is during the night. We are turning out the lights. We are plunging Egypt into darkness. In Dr. Ziegler's words, Shmos begins with a recreation for the purpose of restoring the world to its purpose. The world has not fulfilled its purpose for which it was created. This world, which is so influenced by Egyptian culture, needs to be undone, and we will pave the path for a new kind of existence by the setting up of a society in Israel, by Israel, which should be a new creation. Egypt will no longer be a nation that provides light to the nations, but we will be, an Orla Goyim. The light will be with us. I would like to conclude with a quote from Rabbi Sachs. Whereas the first two plagues were symbolic representations of the Egyptian murder of Israelite children, the tenth plague was the enactment of retributive justice. As if heaven was saying to the Egyptians, you committed or supported or passively accepted the murder of innocent children. There is only one way you will ever realize the wrong you did. Namely, if you yourself suffer what you did to others. This too helps explain the difference between the two words the Torah regularly uses to describe what God did in Egypt, otot umoftim, signs and wonders. These two words are not two ways of describing the same thing, miracles. They describe quite different things. A mofet, a wonder, is indeed a miracle. An ot, a sign, is something else. A symbol, that is to say, a coded communication, a message. The significance of the ninth plague is now obvious. The greatest god in the Egyptian pantheon was Ra, the sun god. The name of the pharaoh, often associated with the Exodus, Ramses II, means son of Ra, the god of the sun. Egypt, so its people believed, was ruled by the sun. Its human ruler, or pharaoh, was semi-divine, the child of the sun god. The plague of darkness was not a mofet, but an ot, a sign. The obliteration of the sun signaled that there is a power greater than Ra. Yet what the plague represented was less the power of God over the sun, but the rejection by God of a civilization that turned one man, Pharaoh, into an absolute ruler, with the ability to enslave other human beings, and of a culture that could tolerate the murder of children, because that is what Ra himself did. When God told Moshe to say to Paro, My son, my firstborn Israel, Beni Bechori Yisrael, he was saying, I am the God who cares for his children, not one who kills his children. The ninth plague was a divine act of communication that said, there is not only physical darkness, but also moral darkness. The best test of a civilization is to see how it treats children, its own and others. In an age of broken families, neglected and impoverished children, and worse, the use of children as instruments of war, that is a lesson we still need to learn. In every generation, there will be people who go along and the people who don't. Paro needs to reverse his pathology. He claims not to know God. Lo yadati Our religion is built on the idea of O Malcha Shamayim. At Yam Sof, the jewels will conclude with Hashem Yimloch Olam Ba'ed. This is Yitzhak Mitzrayim. To God is the power. Do we acknowledge the truth and act in accordance with his will? Or do we subvert his will and impose our own? Thank you for learning together with the OU Women's Initiative.